Simon Wollstonecroft is a drummer from Manchester. His first band at school was with Ian Brown and John Squire. His second band became The Smiths. He played with The Fall for 11 years and continues to play drums for Manchester bands today. Johnny Marr nicknamed him Funky Sai. This is Funky Sai's A to Z of Manchester. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm very well, Jackie. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. What have you been up to? Uh, bit of this, bit of that. I've been recording uh, down in Northamptonshire. Nice. With Lucigenic. That was great. Um, doing some mastering with San Pedro. That's all coming together. Uh, we're going to be writing and stuff. But on the way here, I was listening to the radio too. Mm-hmm. They played Chrissy Hines, uh, new one. And it's called uh, Maybe Love is in New York City. Uh, it's classic Pretenders, really good. Um, I, I love her. But... Was it the first time you'd heard it? No, so, uh, I heard it the day before as well. Oh, OK. It's just that I okay. like to hear a song, you know, when it has an impact straight away and yeah. you think, this is a good song. Yeah. Was it like that? Yeah, it was. It's like the early stuff. Not that she's ever had a duff period, I don't think. No. She came to see, um, It was. I think it was in the fall, playing at the Hammersmith Odeon. But she was there and she um, she said, oh, you're a great drummer. <laughs> Is she Australian? <laughs> and uh, she, she was great and we went back to her flat near Maida Vale Studios. Blimey, how much of a great drummer were you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the party, so to speak. OK. I was with Johnny. She's got these huge gates with big pineapples on <laughs> You know, Victorian uh, stone, very, you know, huge ones. Nice. I really like her stuff, and this new single is classic Pretenders. Right, know, very but get, get back to our house. Yeah. Was it a nice house? Yeah, it was. Beautiful, was yeah. It? And Big did, it was. If you're going into somebody famous's house, do you have a quick look round? Uh, no, not really. Come Don't on, it admit obvious, it. You? <laughs> <laughs> did you not think I'll just nip upstairs? No, I never went upstairs. Oh, I, did, did I think we not? popped in for ten minutes. <laughs> she gets us waiting. <laughs> so she did. Well, what happened then? Well, I don't know. I think Johnny was uh, starting to play uh, guitar for her in oh, the band, okay. in the live band. They must have been, you know, switching ideas or whatever. Johnny told me when he was in the Pretenders um, doing gigs, the drummer, Blair Cunningham, who used to be in Haircut 100. I was about to say, he was in Haircut 100. Yeah, right. Well, he used to try and throw Johnny off uh, when he counted the band in, you know, with his drumsticks. But uh, Johnny was too good for that. He'd recover dead quick. But uh, you know, well, he was trying to trip him up. Trying to trick him, yeah, like a, a little little trick. And he tied his shoes together, you know, the shoelaces. When no, he, he didn't. He did. Yeah, he did. But you know, you've got to do something if you're on tour and it's getting a bit monotonous <laughs> just to get by. <laughs> he sounds a right barrel of laughs. Oh. Yeah, I think he played. Did he play for um, Ian Jury? Not sure. He's like you. He's prolific. <laughs> He's played with about 10 million bands. OK, the first letter P is going to be the Portofino restaurant in Altrincham, which is uh, Italian, as the name suggests. I used to go there with my dates, you know, later on when I started school, but I did go with my mum and dad. They had this beautiful painting of Portofino itself in the restaurant. And I always thought, wow, you know, that looks great, that. An oil painting, you know, a huge one. It was standing in this restaurant for 30 years or more. But I'd never been to Italy. And it was um, not until uh, I went with Mark 
I don't know what year, but 86. We went to go to the San Remo Festival on the border there with Nice. Well, it was quite an eventful thing. We've, uh, sat, I was sat next to um, Angela Rippon, a newsread. <laughs> Do you know what? She's my dad's... <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> she's my dad's favourite woman off the telly. Is she? Yeah. She was a good newsreader. If Angela was yeah. on, my dad was watching it. Yeah. Remember, she used to do that dancing, didn't she? With you Morecambe know? and Wise. That was it, yeah. <laughs> she seemed to enjoy herself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we went flew into Nice and uh, went down to this very sort of faded sort of hotel. You know, I'd seen better days. I'm looking over the bay of San Remo there with a TV company. And uh, it was quite... It was the big channel round there. I can't remember what they were called. But they had a um, circular stage that the bands performed on. Wouldn't you know it? You know, it got stuck. Oh we were, no! We were facing the wrong way, and we couldn't get off it. It wouldn't stop going round. That's hilarious. Was Blair Cunningham involved in that? <laughs> yeah, right. Have been. But yeah, that's that was the first time. But I love Italy um, since. I did end up going with the lovely Lulu uh, a couple of years ago to the um, Italian Riviera. Down to Portofino, it is beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? The Amalfi coastline, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. They have a lot of gigs there, don't they? Classical gigs that they film for Sky and uh, TV company and the like. I've not seen anybody really, you know, want to see yet, but it'd be great, you know, if you like the band that was coming on, you know, (laughs) from, uh, from Portofino. I love it, I love Italian food. So you used to take your dates to this restaurant as well? The one in Altrincham, yeah. Yes. <laughs> not, not to Italy. No, no. Well, like I say, I didn't go to... I used to go a lot abroad with mum and dad. I was lucky. A couple of times a year sometimes to Menorca and Lisbon or Tunisia. You, know. you were one of those families. Well, you know, uh, I was lucky and uh, I, I loved I loved travelling. I always, you know, kept with me that. Uh, can't wait to uh, go and visit somewhere soon, you know. You're going to an Italian, so what are you ordering? Well, um, spaghetti vongole, uh, which I love, you know, the clams, the little clams. But I love seafood generally. It's anything that's come out of the sea, basically. As you know, I have worked with it before, a fish that is, and seafood. That's right, so you're not scared of fish. No, not at all. No, and so squid, you've got Yeah, the... yeah. You'll give it all a go? I'll, I'll give it all a go. Um, that puffer fish, I, term in, I know that's Japanese. The one that might kill you, that one? <laughs> yeah, I might be a bit sceptical about sampling a bit of that. Yeah. But apart from that, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try anything once, Jackie. And do you like a tiramisu? I do. Yeah, I've got a sweet tooth. OK. So you, you know, You'll go for the Italian pudding? I like the limoncello afterwards, you know, if possible. Nice. Um, I love going to Italians uh, in, in Manchester. A San Carlo, I do like, you know, all the pictures on the wall. A lot of life in there, a lot of life walking past. I really enjoy that. So if you could only have one restaurant that you could go to, what type of food are you having? Italian. I think I'm with you. I do like Mexican. I quite like Thai. But I think, you know, forever. If you're talking about forever, I think Italian's the way to go. Yes. You can't argue with it, really, can you? <laughs> my next P is my mum and dad, Pat and Peter. Now, directly opposites uh, in a lot of respects. My mum was a, a free living girl brought up in a mining town in Yorkshire, Doncaster. 
My dad would work down at one of the pits there. I think he was a truck driver in, in there. But uh, I love you know, going back there to visit the relatives. Uh, I've not got my mum and dad anymore, but, um, you know, she was great, my mum. She really encouraged me to carry on playing. She said, Simon, as long as you're happy. Uh, she was a nurse, you know, as I've mentioned before. She bought me a drum kit, my first proper one. <laughs> My dad, completely opposite. <laughs> he, I think it was a bit of a disappointment to him. He did have a sense of humour, played a bit of piano, classical, but it was a mu the music came from my mum, definitely, you know, on the radiogram uh, when I was, you know, growing up. Uh, she bought me my first record, I think. First LP, anyway, uh, Sweet Fanny Adams, it would have been, in uh, about 72. And do you know how they met? Yeah, at a medical dance, because uh, my dad's a GP. It's in Sheffield, I think, uh, the equivalent of the Ritz in Manchester, but over there. And they met there and get uh, moved over to Manchester, bought a house not too far from here originally, before they bought the one in Altrincham. My sister came along. She was more like my dad, you know, very studious. She's done very well. Uh, my dad had a phrase, he used to go, and it's one of the names of the chapters in my book. Simon, you just won't be told. <laughs> uh, that was a mantra that he had. And <laughs> but like like I say, my mum was fun, you know, fun to be around, and uh, she loved music, and she was a great dancer. In fact, she used to dance with me, Auntie Catherine, on the dining room table. Before my dad came home from the surgery, sat down, big um, tumbler of uh, whiskey. <laughs> that would be my cue to go out, you know. Hanging about or messing about until uh, I come home late, you know, a bit later. So we used to go on these trips down another P, Palatine Road. Now, I think it was my dad's friend Moore. Um, he lived in a big house um, near the Friendship Pub, Withington. Is it Withington? Yeah, it changes names, Palatine. I like going up Palatine Road. There was a delicatessen near the uh, Withington uh, Picture House. They had the uh, double seats, as I seem to remember. <laughs> uh, but this deli um, was the first time I'd ever seen a, a deli, really, anywhere. There might have been delis in Cheetah Mill and what have you. But we used to stop off there. We used to get chocolate spread and Nutella. That was the first time I'd ever seen it, and I loved it. My dad's mate, Jim, had this huge house, and he lived. He collected clocks and Leica cameras. And, and Russian Russian ones as well. Because I think they're Austrian, aren't they, Like, Yeah, I think they are. Mary Louise Park on the way. Lovely little park, that. Uh, I used to take my mum, mum up into uh, Christie's Hospital, stop off there, you know, just sit down in the sun, brilliant. So I've got fond memories of Palatine Road. <laughs> My next P is going to be, it's the day trip to the Phoenix Festival with the fall. The Phoenix Festival, it was only on a couple of years, Stratford-upon-Avon, and it was an old airfield. And we did it twice, and the second time, uh, the headlining band with the Sex Pistols. Now, Emily had just been born, my daughter, she's only six months. We strapped her in the back of uh, my BMW 320, took off down the motorway, with a view to meeting the rest of the band down there, because we just wanted to take Emily with us. Uh, 
you know, I think music's good for for babies and kids. You can tell they like it quite often, I think, anyway. Oh, I think you start them early. That's well, definitely. when they're in the womb, they of say, Of course, they? yeah, that's what I did. You know, that heartbeat thing, 120 BPM, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. <laughs> I do love that advert they did about um, public information film, <laughs> and it was a guy out of the actor Vinny, the fo- ex-footballer. Oh, the, yes, yeah. Um, I think it's 120 BPM. So if you ever have to do that... <laughs> Follow what Vinnie Jones says. Yeah, so I stuck with me that. Luckily, it's not had to happen yet, but uh, where was I now? But if you're called upon, you're the man. <laughs> you know what to do. I know what 120 BPM is. Yeah. yeah. You were on your way to the Phoenix Festival. Yes, and uh, lovely day. I'm really excited, you know, newborn daughter, Sex Pistols. Been doing a reunion tour, you know, cashing in. John Lydon had started selling the butter on TV and all that. But, for, you know, so what, uh, I say? Well, I do because he got a lot of flack for that. I know he did. But he then said years later it was for treatment, wasn't it? Yes. And it was yes. to pay for treatment. That's and, right. And so I thought, well, fair play to you. I know. Do whatever you need to do That's to try and do. look after your family. To get by, yeah. yeah. And actually, those adverts were really funny. Yeah, they were actually, weren't they? So, yeah. thank you, Farmer's Wife. <laughs> so, I say to him... Was it him, Flora? No, it was, um, wasn't it Country Life Butter? Who knows? <laughs> We've not even remembered what he was advertising. But I think, you know, good on you. Yeah. Because I it's did. not like he suddenly ad- started advertising everything. No. He did it. No. He obviously did it enough just to get the money he needed. Yeah, he still gives a good quote, doesn't he? Well, I love him. Yeah. I've not met him apart from uh, when we were at the gig, but uh, somebody squirted orange juice on <laughs> uh, Somebody who was with our party. I don't know if it was a joke or whatever, but he went mad. Was it Blair Cunningham again? <laughs> <laughs> he might have been. Was that. he somewhere in the background? No, it was Paul Cook on drums. Uh, it was the original Glenn Matlock, because mm. I remember talking to him in the catering tent. He was going, oh, how old's old your, your daughter? You know, very good musician he is. And so were you a Sex Pistols fan? I was, yeah. So yeah. were you delighted to be supporting them? Absolutely. And yeah. they were spot on, they were. Just like the record, just like the professionals were. They were so last summer. At the Ritz. Well, you just had Paul Cook there, didn't you? But uh, amazing. But, yeah, the pistols were brilliant. Really, really good. Because sometimes you can see somebody, can't you, and you think, oh, no, you should have given up years ago. No, it was exciting. And they really looked after us, their crew, looked after the fall. I think Mark did like John Lydon. I don't think he ever admitted it. He might have done. The next P then, a song, and it's called Pacific, and it's by 808 State. Uh, now, I've, I've got to say it's my favourite song, really, out of Manchester. I've thought wrong and hard, which is my favourite song. Is it a Smith song, Roses, um, Charlatans? That one is brilliant, and it's it's got um, a saxophone in it. And I'm not a massive f- fan of the saxophone, but it works for me. It's not like a traditional jazz solo. That really t- uh, turns me off, really. Even oh. when it's David Bowie? Yeah, but it's not too noodly with him, is it? OK. You know what I mean? I, I had an album called um, O2BA Law, The Initials, by Ronnie Laws. It was one, uh, Back in the 80s, there was one track on it. 
that I really, really loved. But that was more of a riff, you know, on the saxophone. Hit the north by the fall, had a saxophone, of course. So I don't hate them, but um, if they're sparingly, you know, used sparingly, and they play a riff, as opposed to all that jazzy stuff, <laughs> I, I enjoy it. And I've seen uh, the band, um, 808 State, a few times. One time uh, was when I got married in Las Vegas. I was on my honeymoon or going to get wed. Yeah, because I started off in San Francisco um, with my wife-to-be, and we drove... Well, yeah, we must have seen him before we got to Las Vegas, because then we drove to uh, Laguna Beach and stayed there for a week. And they were great, and it was a big park... Uh, Oakland, it's not far from uh, San Francisco. I think New Order might have been on. It's the first time I've ever seen, this would have been uh, 1990, whatever, where you're not allowed to smoke outside a cigarette. You know, never seen it before that, even in Germany or whatever. I thought, wow, you know, this is the future sort of thing. But they were great anyway. They performed that song, and it might have been Daz Partington, who I ended up playing with in Big Uni a few years later. It, it, uh, it was in bright daylight, you know, dead hot. Somebody turn that yellow light on <laughs> to the crowd. Uh, I think it was him. But, uh, yeah, lovely lads. Graham Massey, the singer. I've, I've only met him a couple of years ago. Very interesting guy. My, I remember Mark telling me about the band Gong. Have you heard of him? Gong. <laughs> Well, anyway, they're dead funky. And he was telling me, you know, that was one of his favourite bands, Graham Massey. And I've checked him out since, really like him. Quite psychedelic, but with a groove going on. And where are they from? I don't know, if I'm honest. Oh, OK. No. But uh, either way, they sound amazing. Mm. And I recommend them. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, uh, that, that's my favourite Manchester song out of them all. I know it's an instrumental. But I just remember having such great times when it came out. It came out in 89. Isn't it great when music takes you back to a place and time? Yeah, it does that, but it also makes me, the insides of me feel good, you know, the, the bass synthesizers on it. Yeah, isn't it weird it's that so, some songs a, can do that? It's such a uh, great produced track. Uh, Trevor Horn, I think, ZTT Records. If there's a producer that I could work with, anybody in the world, it would probably Trevor Horn. And is he still working? Well, I guess if he wants, it feels like it. Right, well, let's get in touch. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I love it when a song hurts you in your chest. You yeah. know when it gives you that feeling? Yeah. Where it takes you, I don't know what Even it is. Even if it's an instrumental. Even if it's yeah. an instrumental. Sure. Where it just gives you that feeling. Yeah, tingle. It's brilliant. I know. So, uh, yeah, that's my favourite track. Not of all time. I'd have to have another think about that and let you know later. But for the Manchester band... Um, Manctopia, as it's called now. Um, it's, yeah, Pacific 808 State. My next P is Platfields, which is a continuation of Palatine. <laughs> it's a long road, that. <laughs> it's a very long road. A lot goes on, on yeah. it. All those gigs further up and, uh, you know, India House eventually where I lived. So I've gone up and down there over the years. But Platfields, my dad, he did used to take me there. When they had a fair, it was either in the summer or Easter. I've been, you know, subsequently and watched bands there over the years. I saw a firework display only about a year ago. 
to music. It was brilliant. Oh, they're good, aren't they? Yeah, it was those guys that had that boat uh, out on Sulphur Keys, um, or, or, well, either there or Liverpool docks. But uh, it's like a lighthouse ship, uh, a party boat. <laughs> <laughs> guy called the Captain runs it, who lives in Manchester, I think. But Rufy used to live on that boat. <laughs> he said <laughs> the pigeons in Salford Keys used to come back in at the, the portals. He could never get any sleep. <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh, my dad, you know, he, he did try and encourage me. And there was a, I think it must have been the RAF because he had a helicopter there, which you were allowed to sit in, you know. Because I wanted to be a pilot uh, when, I was, when I started at Altrium Grammar. <laughs> I wasn't that good at physics, so. It was all right at chemistry. <laughs> so there was no hope, really, was there? If you couldn't, no, not no. once punk rock had started, of course. No, this is the problem. And I bet your dad watched from afar and thought, yeah. he's trying to steer you one way. But I was just, uh, and you... Simon, I just wouldn't be told. No. <laughs> but between your mum and the friends that you met at school, yeah. you sort of were being led another way. I was. Yeah, I was, without me knowing it. I was just a rebellion, I guess, you know. He wasn't strict, my dad, don't get me wrong. Uh, he never clouted me. My mum did. <laughs> what did she clout you for? Just being rude to her. <laughs> being cheeky? Yeah. Yeah. Just a clip round the head. <laughs> I'm not your block off, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm sat in this helicopter in Platfield thinking, hmm, <laughs> yeah, well, I might have been this. <laughs> Well, it just wasn't to be. Uh, so, yeah. I and I suppose because we, we live near the airport as well. Yeah, I was fascinated, you know. At school, if I ever went to see the careers officer, I'd say things like, well, I quite like theatre, I quite like acting, and she'd just stare at me and she'd say, have you thought about working at the airport? <laughs> and I'd think, I don't want to work at the airport just because it's the nearest place to where no. I live. Well, I've always fancied a job there, if I'm honest. Did you go plane spotting when you were yeah, younger? Yeah, I did. I had a short man radio and everything. And used to sit by the end of them tunnels before they built runway two, you know, when I was about And did 10. you cross them off in your book? No, I wasn't, wasn't that so. <laughs> but I did like to hear the pilots coming in you know, on this big radio thing. Oh, what, could you tune into them? Yeah, yeah, you could. And the, the, the control tower talking to, a, you know, Lufthansa 815 or whatever it was. I was fascinated, and when the wind was blowing right, we would smell kerosene in the morning, noon and evening. I do love the smell of kerosene in the morning. <laughs> so that was Platfields for you. So what was going on at Platfields when your dad was taking you, just the, to the fair? Uh, yeah, there would have been a fun fair there. I'm sure there would have been live music. You know, this is probably when I'm 10, so 73. And is it just you and your dad, or is your sister going? No, I just remember uh, my dad taking me. Um, He had an Austin 2.3 at that point, a blue one. Nice car. I think it was six-cylinder, actually. You know, I never went to the football match with him. Um, One of his partners in the uh, doctor's practice, he had a season ticket, so I used to go with him. Uh, He took me to Wembley. He took me to Wembley to see Altrincham play Wheelstone in the FA Trophy, and Altrincham got beat. But that was a nice trip. So, yeah, then I started going on my own to Old Trafford. Was your dad a fan of? No, not at all. Football, no. He played a bit of snooker on a Thursday night with his mate down the road. And did you join him? No, no. I do like snooker now, but it's not very often I play it anymore. But, yeah, I'm absolutely rubbish. (laughs) 
I, like, I prefer pool. I'm, I'm quite good at pool. Well, I'll say I am. Well, surely if you're good at one, you're good at the other. Not really. Why? It's so, so much longer, that table, and if, you, if you're not bang on, like, you know, uh, Ronnie there. <laughs> Ronnie's great, the isn't he? He is, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, rock and roll snooker player. Um, but there's seems more to have, of them now. Seems to have been around for years. He has now, hasn't he? Yeah, because they, they are quite bland, aren't they, snooker players, usually? You're talking about Steve Davis. Well, I don't. I'm quite like Steve Davidson, unless you turn your glasses the wrong way up, or yeah, there's not a lot of characters really. No, since not, Higgins. Not really. No, I mean the whirlwind. Uh, it was amazing to watch. Well, it was great. Yeah. Was he on cocaine then? Yes or no? Probably. Right. But he's always had a pint, you know. So he was drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. But it was the way he used to fire around the table. I know. You look at it now and you think, what? Yeah. Um, I mean, they drug test other athletes. Sure. I suppose they do that with snooker players, don't they? For do they these days? There's all that money involved. I would have thought so. Mm. And it used to be cigarette advertising. <laughs> Absolutely. For years, wasn't it? Embassy, um, my favourite brand. <laughs> Embassy filter, the little ones. Yeah, me and Ian used to smoke them. But, you know, we always had to get a pack of... <laughs> Where were you getting them from at school? <sighs> Who knows? Paper shop probably weren't bothered. You know? Oh, they just sell them to you? Yeah, packs oh. of five at first, uh, I remember. Five, pa- five packs, yeah. It's a hard one to give up, that. It absolutely is. It really is. My dad gave up and then went on to cigars, but oh, then started smoking them like cigs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the worst possible thing. Anyway, he, d- he eventually did give up. So he has given Who up. Did? M- my dad, <laughs> <laughs> not not all hope. He uh, he gave up cigs. Uh, Managed to stay off them now well, for about well twenty done, years. Yeah, well, well done. Well, it. a bit longer, I think. Yeah, so he did really well. But we used to see him go down to the shed, and we thought, "What's he doing in the shed?" And then we'd see smoke coming That's out. Cigar smoke. Yeah. <laughs> like that advert. I have a Sufius. My next P is a band from Manchester called Paris Angels. Now, they're quite well-known in Manchester on the indie scene. It was in the 90s. Um, it was a you know, heyday, I think. And I was aware of them, but I never watched them live or came across them until I met Ricky Turner, who's now partner in the band San Pedro Collective. And uh, we went to a band called The Hurt, they were called. They had a song called Berlin, which is absolutely amazing. And when he first... Asked me to join him on drums, a year and a half in now, you know. I said, oh, is it going to be funky? And he went, yeah, yeah, it will be, it will be. Anyway, he played me this thing, Berlin. It's just a brilliant, brilliant song. I should put that in my playlist for today. Okay, yes, do. Right, then, just make a note of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, uh, it's great meeting Ricky. Been in uh, in and out of a lot of bands over the last 20 years, really. Um, just not finding the right chemistry at the right time or, you know, having that little bit of luck or whatever it is. But right now, um, the San Pedro Collective is where I'm at. Which is great because you've been looking for funky. I've, I've been looking for funky. We've got funky. We've got tunes. Um, it's interesting. And I like the way Ricky works, Ricky Turner. You've got to be passionate about it, haven't you? That's the that's the key to it all. If you don't want to get up in the morning and play, there's yeah. no point. Yeah, but you just want to make the music feel good to people when they first hear it. 
I think you'll agree, uh, the latest song that I played the other week. Oh, it's great. It? I loved it. And that was on the first, you know, the first time you played it, mate. Yeah, um, you was the one, the Spanish one. We've got a trumpet player in. Um, it was down in Bristol, did it on the internet, 50 quid. Isn't it amazing? When we do play, eventually, um, after all this um, gubbins has ceased, uh, we'll get a trumpet player in to come on and do that one. Oh, that'll be great live. Yeah, it will. And uh, the video's going to have Spanish dancers in. Jasmine's there now at the front, leading, you know, leading. Great us, vocals. Us. She's brilliant, yeah. Can't stress enough how good she is. So I'm at a really good point at the moment. Musically, best music I've ever worked on, as far as I'm you know, concerned. So uh, that's a great thing. So, uh, you know, f- onwards and upwards, San Pedro. <laughs> My next P is actually a scouser, Pete Wiley, who I met, first of all, in a TV studio in Birmingham. It was a Nicky Campbell thing on TV. I can't remember what TV thing, but it was with Mark. I can't even remember what they were talking about, to be honest. It was so funny. Um, it's just got some amazing sense of humour, you know, really has. Uh, he had me in stitches, and, and when I've seen him uh, since, uh, bump into him, he had a book out a couple of years ago at the uh, Louder Than Words Fest. Uh, dead funny again, you know, doing a talk. But um, he, got, he was involved with Mick Jones of The Clash and The Farm, putting on a gig... Um, raising awareness for the Hillsborough victims uh, back in the 80s. Uh, I got a call out of the blue off here and said, hey, side, um, I've got an invite for you. I said, oh, what, what's that then? Uh, do you want to come down to the Ritz now and play drums on Bank Robber uh, with John Squire, who had been invited along as well, and they were going to perform that. So I thought, uh, brilliant, yeah. So they were putting together like a little super group? Yes, for the night, yeah. Basically, I met one of my old time. I've met Mick Jones before when I was 18, 17, you know, one of the gigs, but not got talking to him. But there he was, and I was in the dressing room with him uh, for about half an hour, just uh, chewing the fat. He had a, a lovely white linen suit on. He's laughing all the time. You know, he was puffing away. <laughs> uh, we had a really good time. He said, Yeah, we recorded Bank Robert down here. It's a strawberry, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it was at Pluto Studios and Granby Row off Princess Street in Manchester. That's where you did it because uh, Ian, who you know, was singing Bank Robber with Mick, went down to the recording session that The Clash did because, you know, we didn't have mobiles or anything. Otherwise, I would have been there like a shot. But, uh, yeah, um, so we're doing the sound check. Basically, the farm's drummer was the guy who was going to do the old gig and he was late or no one knew where you know where he got to whatever and I did the sound check with John Squire and Ian and me like getting the patrol back again the last time we did it was you know 1980 <laughs> and uh, it was fantastic and we all, we all knew the song of course inside out just brilliant and then of course the drummer turns up uh, you know and I thought oh in it but nobody took a photo of it that I'm aware of, of the sound check there when we did Bang Rubber by The Clash. So Pete Wiley, yeah, a lovely fella, and uh, good luck to him. (laughs) (laughs) My next Pete is the Palace Theatre Manchester, which I used to live directly opposite when I was in India House. uh, Great um, intersection of Manchester, that. 
Oxford Road and Whitworth. Where the corner house used to be. Yeah, the old one. It was great. And I did take my daughter to a pantomime there. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, They're you know. always good. Yeah. That and the opera house. Oh. <laughs> always good. I saw um, Chuckle Brothers. Did you? Yeah, they were great. Yeah, I bet they were. They were really good. They're the, they're the sort of people you want at a pantomime. Yeah. Because they know what they're doing. Yeah. We got tickets, don't know how. There was a programme called Prisoner Cell Block H that used to show on a Sunday night in the 80s. And there was a bit of a craze watching it. And, uh, well, there was in my circle. <laughs> and... Uh, we went to see the live show, you know, with the star. It was called B, you know, that was a character. It was the bitch of the prison. <laughs> and it was at the palace. Um, but I've been a few times, I actually saw the Smiths at the palace. It was just amazing. And when they play that intro music, when the band used to come on, the lights were great. It was just amazing seeing the Smiths there. I bet it was. Yeah. What did you feel when you were watching the Smiths? Because obviously there was a chance... You could have been in the Smiths. Yeah, I'd sort of um, self-medicating, really, to get over that problem uh, at that point. You know, don't forget, they only lasted about four or five years, didn't they? So I would have been, that's what I would have been doing to, uh, you know, avoid the disappointment, so Did you like all their songs, though? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, just not the ones that I was given. (laughs) If if they'd give me a William, it was really nothing. On that first day, you know, that recording in Ancoats, yeah, I would have stayed. You know, it's got the funk, it's got the space, it's, you know, it's up. You know, it's, it's bounding along, it's brilliant. Yeah, they were great there. Uh, Palace Theatre, what else can I say about it? You I know? saw Tears for Fears there, they were great. Did you? What's your favourite Tears for Fears song? Oh, I don't know. Was that first album, was it called The Hurting? I'm not sure, but I like... Sowing the Seeds of Love. Oh, do you? I don't yeah. don't care what anybody says. No, because that's quite a, a sort of commercial track of theirs. Yeah, there's nothing but wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> what, what is it you love about that one? I like the key change in it. I like the keyboard parts just swirling. And, and, and when it goes to that key change, it does go to a totally different dimension. And they make it seem so easy. It's one of those you want to turn up in your car, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. I went to the studio recently um, when I was travelling uh, down to Frome, uh, Somerset. That's where they recorded Tears for Fears, recorded that song. It's also where the Smiths recorded their Strange Ways Here We Come, which is their, you know, swan song. Uh, you know, things were pro- problems, cracks were beginning to appear. And I remember, you know, seeing Morrissey. Uh, well, nobody saw Morrissey because <laughs> he was upstairs hiding being all dramatic and depressed and had a bottle of, somebody said he had a bottle of sleeping pills, you know, strewn across his bed, you know, in an artistic manner. Oh, so we never saw him. But, yeah, I hung out for the weekend, you know, with the lads. We used to bomb it round the back lanes in that Datsun Laurel. <laughs> the Fimperville. I've got to say, the stereo in it, though, it was just amazing. I don't know why, you know. But we were playing Barry White, you know, night. Went to Bowles, uh, Moles Nightclub in Bath, uh, which went past the other day because they played there. But I think we might have gone out for a night out there, you know, uh, the lads. I think Craig Gannon might have been there. But they were working and I started something I couldn't finish, which is one of my favourite ones. It's great, that track, yeah. Stephen Street, producer on that. All those strings and stuff, you know, it's very clever, Johnny, you know, uh, to sort all that out. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I mean... How did it work with the Smiths? So did Johnny write the music first and then Morrissey put the lyrics on or was it the other way around? Well, I don't know. As I say, I used to run Johnny around with cassettes um, of Morrissey's voice. So he'd put a guitar behind it. Oh, so sometimes, yeah, so sometimes you would put... Ah, right. Yeah, or just a germ of an idea, a title or something. You know, once you've got that, you're up and running. Really, it's up to you then, isn't it, to make produce something that's sonically going to sound amazing. And by that stage, uh, you know, Shoplifters of, of the World, that might have been on the album before. That's one of my favourite Smiths tracks. Yeah, the sound got so huge uh, yeah. by then. You know, that... I wish they'd play more tracks on, you know, on the radio. They pick about two Smiths songs. Hand in Glove. Just the obvious ones, and I just think they they had loads of great songs yeah, that did. you never hear anymore. Yeah, like William, it was really nothing, or Cemetery Gates. I'm not sure. I think they might have recorded that in Cholton. It was it was either one of those two singles at Paul's place that was used to be called Denim in the seventies because the walls were covered in denim. <laughs> then it was called Drone, Ellesmere Road. I think it's off. Excellent sound. Yeah, a few people have been in that drone studios. So they put the denim on the wall, to, what, to block the sound out? I think it was just trying to look trendy. This is what Bernard Sumner told me anyway, because he, he must have gone round there, dead early doors. You know, he'd actually seen it for himself. By the time we went round there, it looked like a normal studio. You know, glass and wood, and, you know, 30-foot mixing desk. <laughs> Presswich, Presswich Village in particular, and I spent a lot of time up there going to and from Mark's house, going to all the pubs, the Woodthorpe, the Red Lion, the George, which was his favourite, but I think it's the Sainsbury's now or something. There was the police college round there. Do you always sort of... You like the idea of having a load of police round the corner, I think, you know, a bit of security. <laughs> it was literally on the next door, a little college there. Uh, but it's an up-and-coming area. The price has, you know, gone shot through the roof. Um, and, of course, they've got the mural on the chippy there in Presswich Village, which I went to see for the first time. Well, a few weeks ago during the lockdown, I sprinted up there from Ultra. <laughs> it's quite impressive, actually, with that cigarette coming out. And it's huge. But I always think, because Craig Scanlon, he just lives on the same road, so he must have to come past this picture. Oh, I wonder what he thinks I of know, that. I know. Um, there's no avoiding it, you know. No. It's like Big Brother's watching him. Yeah. I bet he thinks, oh, for goodness sakes. I know. He was in my life. You probably know. not bothered now. No, he probably isn't bothered. But, uh, yeah, I, I love Presswich. And, you know, it's quite desirable to live there now, you know, like Didsbury was years ago. Was Mark Bourne there? He was born in Salford. I don't know about uh, Sedgley Park. It's kind of a lower Presswich mark. That's where his house was. There was a guy who lived on King's Road just round the corner who, he said, invented the Zoom ice lolly. <laughs> Which I thought was great. You know? Big fan of Zooms. But I'd want this summer, but, uh, yeah, that was fascinating me. And, of course, there was the, um, the mental hospital... Mark knew a lot of people who worked there, nurses and the like. He kind of, uh, you know, kept in touch with these people for years, did Mark. He liked living there, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Apart from yeah. his little stint living in, in Edinburgh. He loved the traditional Jewish geezers, you know, with the 
big hats on and the beards. He loved all that, you know, the deli bagel place, sort of New York-style bagel place, you know, just round the corner from him. His mum was round the corner. You know, she worked at the post office for a long time in Presswich. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot... Was he good to his mum? Yeah, very good. Was he? Yeah. As I say, uh, we took her to see... uh, who I thought was the big O himself, but <laughs> it wasn't. Well, if he was wandering around Presswich, would he stop and chat to people? I think uh, he'd take one look at you and decide whether he'd talk to you or not. You know, if you're being an idiot, um, he'd just walk, you know, ignore you. Yeah, it depends, you know, uh, whether he liked the look of you. You know, first impressions do count, I think. So he always lived in Presswich, didn't he? Well, as long as I was in the band, yeah, we had a flat there in the early 80s when the band, uh, late 70s, when the band started. So it was his patch, you know, the ostrich, the Woodsort, George, you know, <laughs> uh, he had it all covered. And, uh, yeah, he had a lot of friends there too. We all did. It was good. So uh, I really like Presswich. It's a nice-looking place. There's a few trees around, part, a nice park there. So, uh, yeah, I like Presswitch. OK, we need a soundtrack for the letter P. What have you got? I've got Pacific by 808 State. I've got Berlin by The Hurt. The Clash's bank robber. Let the beat hit them. Lisa Lisa and Cold Jam. And Saturday Love, Sherelle and Alexander O'Neill. Lovely. OK, see you next week. See ya. This podcast was produced and edited by John. Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by Colin McGrath, Joe Brown, Johnny Smale and Simon Wollstonecroft. And the artwork is by Lee Dyer. This has been Funky Size A to Z of Manchester. Thanks for listening to Funky Size A to Z of Manchester. If you're enjoying this series, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.